We're talking about faith today. The word faith, what does this mean? The word faith is a deep, rich, powerful word. But like any word, it tends to get overused a little bit. It's common enough to hear about, you know, faith-based organizations. Or sometimes we hear about interfaith, uh, you know, or multi-faith groups, ecumenical gatherings that, you know, happily pull together uh, members of various faiths. And, and sometimes, you know, maybe if I'm trying to test where someone's at spiritually, I'll say, so are you a, a person of faith? I mean, it's a, it's a nice, easy word to use. It's somewhat uh, euphemistic. But I will go on record as saying that other religions, in my understanding, other religions are not faiths. They are religions. They are a system of doctrine or belief, but they're not faiths. Belief and faith are not the same thing. Belief and faith are not the same thing. I might believe that God is real, as most Americans do. But just because I believe that God is real, that does not necessarily have any bearing or impact on my behavior. I might still live completely for myself and say, yeah, I believe in God, but do my own thing. But if I have faith in God, if my confidence, if my trust, if my faith is in God's reality, then I'm going to live differently because I'm also going to pay attention to what he says and how he speaks to me. The Apostle Paul, um, well, I should say this, we've got Muslims and we've got Buddhists and we've got Sikhs in our city, uh, you know, Wonderful people, many of whom are devout and sincere and well-meaning. But these are religions of self-righteousness, of self-effort, an attempt to grasp at God. These are not faiths. And it matters because we need to know that faith is not built on doctrine. Get this. Faith is not built on doctrine. Faith is built on Jesus Christ. That's foundational. Right. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. You can see this in Ephesians four. He says there's one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and father who is over all and in all and living through all one, just one. So it may be a technicality, but I tend to avoid the word faith. I try to avoid the word faith when I talk about other religious groups. I prefer just to call them religions. There's a chapter in the Bible we sometimes refer to as the Faith Hall of Fame or the Hall of Faith. It's Hebrews chapter 11. I encourage you to start finding that now in your Bible. I forgot to have you just read Bibles, but if you, if the Bible distributors, if you wouldn't mind doing that just now, if you need a Bible, just give them a wave. We're going to be on page 754. This Hebrews chapter 11 reminds us of several great and, and heroic biblical figures who all demonstrated faith. And we're going to read some excerpts from Hebrews 11. But the key thought is that our, our Bible heroes, Noah, Abraham, Joseph, Moses, the others, they're heroic not for their exploits, but they're heroic for their faith. It's not what they did that makes them great. It's what they believed. Their confidence in God. God is not asking you and me to demonstrate some colossal spiritual achievement in life. He's we're, we're not something lesser if we're not a Billy Graham or a Mother Teresa. God is inviting you to have faith. So let's see what Hebrews chapter 11 teaches us about how we, too, can have faith. Let's stand together as we read various parts of Hebrews chapter 11, starting right at verse one. Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, he writes this. Faith is the confidence 
that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Let's jump down to verse 6. It's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Jump with me all the way to verse 24. After he's listed, and we don't know who wrote Hebrews or some conjecture, but we don't know. After he's listed various Bible heroes, he gets to Moses in verse 24. He says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Verse 29, it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. Continue to jumping ahead with me down to verse 32. Verse 32, and we'll finish out the chapter from here. He writes, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the, shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. So he's talking about faith carrying on. We're still in verse 35. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawn in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And all these people, verse 39, earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection Without us. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's take a seat together. Verse 1 is one of those verses worth knowing, of worth, worth memorizing. NLT maybe stretches it out a little bit. You could use ESV or NIV. Faith is the, the assurance of things hoped for, the confidence of things not seen. You know, sometimes I've, I've tried to explain faith to people and I, I've said, you know, faith, faith in Jesus is a little like me sitting in this chair. If I take this chair and I, and I, and I say, wow, I, I'm going to sit on this is this is faith. This is all my faith. All my weight and trust is in this chair. And that's what it's like when you put your faith in Jesus. That's not a bad illustration. But the problem with that illustration is I, I'm, I'm pretty sure the chair is going to be OK. I've seen that chair used countless times. I can visually inspect the chair. I can see it, it looks stable, looks solid. It's got four legs and a seat in the back. I think it's going to be fine. Real faith 
is a confidence in things unseen, things I can't see, more like Indiana Jones stepping out into nothing and hoping that something's going to be under his foot, right? That's, a, that's maybe a better illustration. Faith says, it doesn't matter that I can't see the evidence, or even if I never see it, my trust is still in God. That's faith. We, we often pray for people to be healed, as an example, and, and yet only occasionally have the privilege of seeing immediate results. Well, does that mean we should stop asking or that, that God's not listening? Oh, no, it, it means that we're still learning, still learning how to pray and still learning how to trust God for God's way of doing things. And if I say, well, God didn't answer, so I'll stop believing, then that was only wishful thinking in the first place. Faith is unique because it's based not on visible evidence, but on the invisible. That verse 6 is a key verse here as well. Verse 6, we'll put that on screen, where he says, It's impossible to please God. Let's read this together. Ready? Go. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Yeah. It's really beginning to answer the question, well, how can I have faith? Faith starts with belief. Remember I said faith and belief are not the same thing, but faith starts with belief. We, we um, you know, there's some, okay, this is going to be a pun. There's some concrete things we believe to have a foundation of faith, right? You can, I'll wait for it. Concrete things to believe, foundation. Really? That's all I got for that? Wow. Let's put it this way. Belief is the start of faith. Belief is the start of faith. See, belief is technical. Here's the things that I believe. But faith is personal. Faith is in Jesus. Specifically, faith begins with a belief in God's existence, according to this verse, and that he rewards the seeker. And then that's a move from the technical to the personal. I believe that God exists and that he rewards. Do you see that? Technical to personal. In the number of atheists in America, agnostics is he's rising, I'm told. Some, some polls say as high as 20% of people who don't believe that God exists or think that he probably doesn't exist. Some of your family members are struggling with that, that very question. I know some of mine are. Maybe you're a person who's, who's struggling with, with wondering, is, is, is God actually real? God, are you really there? And it's a starting point for faith whereby I choose to say, I believe God exists and it matters to him that I'm searching. See, there's power in the spoken confession of saying something, speaking it into, into reality. At the risk of a trivial illustration, it, it might be like, like me looking for something in the refrigerator. It would not be unusual for me to say, I can't find it. Where's the strawberry jam? And, and easy for me to draw the conclusion that strawberry jam does not exist because I can't see it. And I just need to call to Becky, who without needing to look, but has experience with her refrigerator and knows where things are. She can say, it's in the bottom on the left behind the pickle jar. Like, oh, sure enough, there it is. Am I the only guy like that? No. Right? So at some point, I have to trust her experience and believe that that strawberry jam exists if I don't believe, I'm not even going to look for it. And there is evidence for God, particularly in creation. But again, how you interpret creation 
is, is going to be based on your starting point of belief. If you don't believe God exists, you're not going to look for him in creation. But if you, as a starting point, confession points is, I believe that God exists. Now, if God did exist, what kind of evidence would I see? Hmm. You start to look around. Wow. Vast creativity. Amazing repeating patterns. Continuity of, of, the, uh, of the seasons. A perfect balance of the, of the universe. You see, if you, if you prefer um, you know, to believe that the earth and the universe created itself, uh, you're not going to watch for God's creation. I just challenge you, if this is an area of struggle for you, I challenge you, you to look through the Bible the number of times, even right here at verse 3, the number of times biblical authors affirm God as creator. They, 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 say, they say that he's not just creative, he is creator. That's his name and his nature to be the creator. The rest of Hebrews 11 affirms that these other biblical stories are true and historical and factual, including the flood. And someone says, well, the flood's just a myth to help us, you know, kind of cope with, with complex problems of our psyche. No, Jesus and other authors refer back to Noah repeatedly. Because it's real, it's true. And if you look at that and say, wow, this is the real deal. If you start with that interpretation, you'll be amazed at how the evidence makes sense. So faith begins with a choice, a decision to believe. There's another way to gain faith. A second step of how to have faith. And I would say it's this, to exercise faith. Um, How about this? Say it this way. Action is the evidence of faith. Action is the evidence of faith. See, how did you learn to drive a car? Did you learn to drive the car by studying the book and taking the test? No. You learn to drive a car by driving a car, right? How do babies learn to speak? By, by staying quiet? No. By opening their mouth and trying to formulate sounds. They learn to talk by talking. How do you learn to play guitar or cook a great meal? By doing it. That's, that's how it happens. And faith is the same. You start doing even before you know how. That's, that's how I learned to play guitar. Someone says, can you play guitar? And I was like, well, no, but maybe I can learn. And that's how it happens. And as, as you move toward that, if you just talk about it, if you just talk about faith, you talk about these things, but there's no action, then there's no evidence of faith. And throughout Hebrews, we get these 11, we get these examples. By faith, you know, Abel offered a sacrifice. By, by faith, Noah built the boat. By faith, Abraham left his home and went to a new country and so on. Faith is proved by action. And the evidence of faith is speaking and acting on what you believe. Starts with belief, moves to action. And it's not based on what you see. I mean, he, uh, the writer of Hebrews pulls out, Moses, as an example, Moses' actions of faith actually induced great turmoil and suffering in his life. He, he was living the good life uh, of, in the Egyptian comfort zone, right? And he developed a passion for the justice of his people. And so, so by faith, which also happened to coincide with circumstances. If you know the story of, of Moses, so we're reaching back about 4,000 years in history. He actually murdered someone and fled for his life. But the writer of Hebrews says it was an act of faith that he ran away. See, sometimes faith doesn't even make sense until after the circumstances. They tend to coincide. You make a decision, but it, it moves along with your circumstances. And 
Moses gave up the good life. He jumped into an uncertain future. And he paid the price for it. He suffered. It was uncomfortable. Here's a little secret that I've learned about faith. The more attached I am to the comforts of this world, the harder it is for me to act on faith. I think I've told you the story before of 15 years ago when Becky and I launched out to plant a church. There was no guarantee of, a, of success. We had no promise of an income. I think maybe the first five or six months they said they'd cover. But in, with that, I, I quit my job. We uprooted our two little boys. We moved 10 hours uh, to another province. We bought a house. We got to work. Thinking back, I'm like, that was crazy. I mean, what were we thinking? How, what was the bank thinking that gave us the mortgage? That's what I, I mean, it was a miraculous time in our lives. And so I don't think we thought at the time, oh, we're really having a lot of faith. We're just like, well, here's an opportunity. Let's do it. But there was, it was an act of faith that we were able to do that. And we'd heard the Lord speak, and that's why we did it. But I wonder if God called me to do something like that today, where I'm more stable, more financially comfortable. I mean, there's a lot more comfort in my life now than there was when we were a young married couple. Would I do it? Wow. Comfort insulates us from faith. Comfort insulates us from faith. Sometimes God gets us into an impossible situation so that we're essentially forced into faith. Right? Verse 29 says it, says it this way. It's by faith the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. You know, we read that if we didn't know the backstory, we'd be like, yeah, it must have been just like, oh, praise the Lord. He's just going to open the, the water for us. We're just going to walk on through. Watch this, Pharaoh. Ha ha. Here we go. It wasn't like that. Right. Do you remember what it was like? They're at the they're at the Red Sea water in front, raging army, bloodthirsty behind mountains all around. And the people are saying, we're all going to die. Right. That's what was going on. And Moses like. God, what have you done? Did you just bring us out here to kill us? What's happening? And God says, step into the water. Bethany Ford, did you guys ever do that song? Step into the water. That's, that's what happened. They stepped into the water. But it wasn't like, oh, this glorious moment. We're just going to... No, it was a terrifying moment. It was stay there and die. Try to defend themselves or trust God and step out. And that's, that's faith. That's the evidence... Of faith is in its action. And it can be messy. Faith can be messy. It can be uncertain. We don't necessarily know what's going to happen. And, and it's, it's a courageous thing. I, I don't know today. I just wonder what action the Lord might call you. What faith action God might call you to. As an evidence of your trust in Him. As an evidence of your faith in God. Maybe it's to become a member of Bethany Church. Maybe it's to, to find a place to plug in and serve. Maybe it's to go on a missions trip. To some place with strange food and, and uh, other challenges. Maybe it's, maybe it's to write a faith-sized check to, to a ministry you support. Maybe, it's, you know, maybe your, your faith in action is to just love your spouse, even though right now your marriage is in trouble and it's struggling. Some, sometimes the action of faith is to stop being so active. Just slow down your busy, busy life. And take a Sabbath rest. Can you really trust God that He can handle it for one day? 
right? What's the faith action for you? Because action is the evidence of faith. Now, faith ignores the easy way out, but here's some, some good news for you as well. Reward is the result of faith. Reward is the result of faith. Look at verse 6 again, right? Anyone, uh, it's impossible to please God, and anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists, and He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. Verse 10, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. As are we today. What about verse 14? Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. Verse 16, they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. Verse 26, he, Moses, thought it better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the churches of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Reward is the result of faith. Now, most Christians get really uncomfortable when we start talking about rewards. Right? But these Hebrews 11 heroes saw a prize worth pursuing by faith. A number of years ago, Bruce Wilkinson wrote a great little book um, called A Life God Rewards, in which he points out how often Jesus taught about reward and promised reward and commendation, and that the saved will not all be equally rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. We will not all receive the same reward. Some of you will have greater rewards than others. I once led a study group through that little book and, and most people in my circle said, well, I don't care about rewards. I don't, I don't want to do anything for rewards. I'm just, I'm just happy to serve God. I'm just happy to be saved. Honestly, that's kind of nonsense. I mean, if you apply it in, in your workplace, imagine that the boss said, look, I can pay you $10 an hour or $20 an hour. What would you prefer? Oh, you decide. It really doesn't matter to me. I'm just happy to have a job. That'd be ridiculous, right? Rewards are awesome. Rewards are great. You know, in the parables of good stewardship and talking about persecution and teaching about generosity and in caring for the poor and the sick and the imprisoned, Jesus promised rewards. Come and enter the rests we've been prepared for you from the foundation of the earth, Jesus will say. Those actions of uh, the things that Jesus teaches us are acts of faith, believing that what I'm doing today actually matters for all eternity, all time, beyond time. It's going to matter. It makes a difference. Why get all modest about reward? Why not live in a way that sets you up for eternity? Jesus didn't just suggest it. He commanded it. Store it up for yourself, treasures in heaven, where it doesn't get stolen or worn out. Instead of storing it up here on earth. We don't apologize for saving money for retirement. Why not save up for your eternal future? Why not invest in ways that matter for eternity? Reward is the result of faith. And you only do that if you really believe it. Many of you are tithers and you're generous people. That's not really a problem here at this church. You're, you know, there's just a great flow of generosity. But there's an act of faith in your part to believe that when Jesus said, you're going to store up treasure in heaven... That, that your actions are actually accomplishing that because you can't see it. It's not like you can go online and log in and, you know, oh, I forgot my password, Jesus. You know, if Jesus is your password, you need something stronger, by the way. And you can't just, um, you know, like see, oh, it's really growing. Oh, it's kind of slowed down. You can't do that with heavenly rewards. It's an act of faith to say it matters. When you sincerely 
desire to follow the Lord's leading in your life. Those steps of faith will not seem so arduous, so difficult, so overwhelming. Yeah, there's times of hardship, there's times of difficulty and uncertainty. But when you're trusting God, when you have faith, there's a flow to it. I mean, you can think about the times that some of you, for example, signed up and you served in Awana this this year. And at first you're like, oh, man, I don't really know about this. Like, I've never done this before. Can I can I really do this? And 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 will I will I really be able to to do what's expected of me? Right. But you stepped out and you did that. Now, if I said that was an act of faith, you'd say, no, no, I just was responding to the need. Well, that was that was an act of faith on your part. And then you were like, man, I had a great time. And next week we should hear about about what happened this year in Iwana. There's a flow to it when you're trusting him. Faith is a choice to live by what we cannot see, knowing that God can accomplish the impossible through us in these Heroes of Hebrews 11 are examples to us, not for their deeds, but for their faith. just want to, kind of on a personal note, I would just say lately the Lord has been challenging me personally to begin dreaming again, to, to even dream bigger or to ask bigger, or to, to think in terms of larger challenges for me personally and for our church. I don't know really what that looks like yet. And I confess I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm happy. I, I, I love what I get to do. It's a great privilege. And, and I have plenty of work on my plate. But I'm not satisfied to just maintain the status quo. And in your heart, you're not either. You want more from, from what God's called you want more from your experience of walking with Jesus. You, you want to you experience things that you haven't experienced before. You don't want just the same old. I know you want more. And I'm at this church, at Bethany Church, in part because I believe there's a phase of life coming for Bethany that's exciting. It's exciting and it's God-ordained. It's a future that I don't think we can see yet. But I have faith to believe that the Spirit of God is at work in you and in me and in our church. And He has not left us to drift. He's not left us at all. And we're not just here to coast along until Jesus comes back. I do believe that some of the, some of the dreams and some of the DNA that was planted in some of you and that some of you planted in this church many years ago that's been dormant, I do believe God wants to revive some of that. That's, I'm confident that's where my faith is. And I could be wrong, but that's, that's what I believe. I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. I have faith. And it takes a choice to believe and to act and to keep our eyes on that prize that's yet to come, that future that's promised in Him. So that like these great men and women of Hebrews 11, our able to applaud us. Chapter 12 kind of concludes chapter 11 by in verse 1. It says, we're surrounded. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, he says, let's, let's get rid of the stuff that slows us down and go. 
It's not just a museum like, oh, that's nice, all those nice people. It's like, wow, those are our examples. Let's run and do what He has for us. And I hope that's your heart too. And it's, it's an exciting thing to ponder, to step out in faith. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. If you're someone that's never put your faith in Jesus, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that as well while we pray. So let's uh, let's bring this to the Lord. Father, I thank you for the good things we've heard today, the challenges we've heard and the pictures we've seen and reminders we have of our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world who are serving you in ways that make sense in their context. And Lord, you've not only called us to care for those, but you've also called us to care about the people right around us, to love our neighbors, to to uh, go into all the world, including 93720, with the good news to make disciples, to baptize, to teach what you've taught us. And so I thank you for that challenge on our lives and that opportunity you've set before us. And Lord, it's our desire to be a church that's obedient and follows you, that clearly and unashamedly broadcasts your good news. Lord, I'm asking that you would begin to plant vision and dreams and desires into the lives of, of, of all of us in this church. And to, to stir up a, a unity and, and, and momentum in us that's just unstoppable for your kingdom. Lord, we don't want to be embarrassed to pursue the, the rewards and awards you have for us you, you commanded us to do that. And so we want to be faithful in that as well. Lord, I ask that even this week, you would, be, you would just be prompting each one of us, what's that faith action in our lives? What's that thing that, that we need to do or stop doing because we trust you, because we have faith in you? And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're somebody that you have not yet put your faith in Jesus. You've been wanting to or meaning to, but... Maybe you didn't know how to. It's really not difficult. I, I mentioned that there's something about the spoken word. There's something about saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I trust in you. Forgive my sin and, and make me right with God. And when you speak out a prayer like that in your own way, he responds. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says that, that we must believe that he exists and that rewards all who seek him. And if you'll seek him today, he'll reward you with a personal relationship, with forgiveness of your sin and freedom. And you become a new creation in Christ, a new, a new person from the inside out. That's the promise. And if that's you and that's your desire, I just urge you to talk to someone today. Talk to me after the service. Head back to that prayer room. We'd love to, to help you with that step. And so, Lord, we commit, commit all these things to you, the things we've talked about. Would you be glorified today in our lives, in our homes, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, and most of all in our church, Lord God. We love you and we thank you for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.